0: going to continue the study that we began several weeks ago called Empowered the Spirit-Filled Life because we have discovered as we've been looking through the book of Acts that God intended for our relationship with him, our life of faith, our journey in Jesus to be more than just stuff we know, more than just cerebral, more than just theological, more than just philosophical, although that's all can be part of it. He meant for us to have an experience with Him, where every day we are experiencing the miraculous power of God at work in this world through me and in me. So we've talked about who the Holy Spirit is and uh, what He is here to do. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, God and when I come to faith in Jesus Christ he takes residence in me but we've also discovered that he wants more than just to be uh, to be in me he wants to be upon me and we talked about the release of the Holy Spirit in our lives called the baptism in the Holy Spirit and what that means and then we've been talking about first from first Corinthians 12 and first Corinthians 14 the uh, nine spiritual gifts nine gifts of the Spirit to be more exact that are uh, supernatural enablings that God dispenses to us for the purpose of dispensing them to others in need so that needs can be met by his miraculous power in this world. And in the book of Acts, we see these gifts on display in, in the lives of everyday saints just like you and me. People That were newly minted believers finding themselves in the flow of the miraculous workings of God in this world. And how it propelled the gospel forward and touched the whole of the known world. And we want to see that happening today. I want my Christian life to look more like the book of Acts than it did yesterday. I want my life to be what God intended His power on display in and through me. I'm sure you do too. And that's part of the reason why you're here. So we've been talking about these gifts of the spirit. And there are nine of them. The word of, excuse me, tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, faith, miracles, and healings. And I just arbitrarily, because nobody told me I couldn't, divided those nine gifts up into three categories. The power to communicate, That's the tongues interpretation of tongues and prophecy, the power to understand, the word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and discerning of spirits, and then the power to change things, faith, miracles, and healings. We are halfway through the second set of three, the power to understand. Last week, we we talked about the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. Today, we're going to be talking about discerning of spirits. Now, I want you to read with me Acts chapter 8, beginning at verse 17. Then they laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Let me explain. A guy named Philip, who was you know, nobody special, just a guy who received Christ as his Savior, a Jewish believer from Jerusalem, has made his way to Samaria and is preaching the gospel there, and people have come to faith in Jesus in this city of Samaria. Peter and John, two of the apostles from Jerusalem, come to this city of Samaria to make sure that these new believers are also being uh, filled with and experience the overflowing of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And so they lay hands on the people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And when Simon, verse 18 says, saw that through the laying on of the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money. Let me explain this guy named Simon. He's like a magician. He has a, that's how he makes his living. And uh, he has also become a believer. He's come to faith in Jesus. But, you know, he's a little immature and doesn't quite understand everything just yet. Uh, When I say immature, I mean as a believer. And uh, he sees Peter and John laying hands on people and people receiving the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And he's observing this. We don't know what he observed. It was likely people speaking in tongues because that seems to be the pattern throughout the, the rest of the book of Acts. But he's observing something that was dramatic, something that was powerful, And he wanted, he offered to pay money for the ability to be able to do this to people. He wanted to add this experience to his magic show, so to speak. And so verse 19, he says, Give me this power also that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, Your money perish with you because you thought that the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor portion in this manner, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this your wickedness, and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. Now pay attention. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. In those few words, in this verse, verse 23, Peter is giving us some insight to the insight he has received by the Holy Spirit, he's peering behind the curtain into the real realm. You may just be aware of this, but needing to be reminded, the stuff that really matters is the stuff that's unseen. We are get we get so. Uh, preoccupied with the surface issues, the material things. But what really matters is what's going on in the spirit realm. That's the real world. And Peter, when he's getting this uh, proposal from Simon to buy this power, Peter says, I see behind this activity. I see into the spirit realm. I see that you are poisoned by bitterness He's naming demonic spirits, and we'll come back to this in a minute. I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound or held by iniquity. And because he understood that this was more than just, you know, the surface issue, he was able to minister to Simon, verse 24, then Simon answered and said, pray to the Lord for me, that none of the things which you have spoken may come upon me. And a righteous outcome happens. God's will is done in this man's life because... Of the gift of discerning of spirits what is that let me define it for you the gift of discerning of spirits is a revelation of the spiritual source of a concept or activity now there are three types of spirits at work in this world let me just put you at ease a little bit I'm not one of these guys that's looking for demons under every rock okay uh, but to ignore the fact that what's really going on, what we are experiencing in the material world is really sourced deeper than that, is foolhardy. Foolhardy. So let's, let's, be, uh, let's understand some things. There are three types of spirits at work in this world. The Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah and amen. <laughs> there are also unholy spirits. Sometimes we refer to them as demons or devils. The Bible says that Satan, uh, forenamed Lucifer, was among the most prominent, if not the most prominent, of the angelic creatures. He led a revolt against God because his pride rose up in him and he wanted to usurp God's authority. He was booted out of heaven, but the Bible says that a third of the angelic hosts followed him. And these... Uh, spirits, these fallen angels, are what we refer to as demons or devils. They're at work in this world, behind the scenes. Uh, there is also the human spirit. Zechariah 12:1 tells us that human beings are ultimately spiritual creatures. And discerning what spirit you're dealing with, the Holy Spirit, an unholy spirit or human spirit, is really, really helpful. You don't want to be resisting the Holy Spirit. But you do want to resist unholy spirits. And if it's just a human spirit, you want to know how you can help this person, right? So it's important that we have this information and that none of us are able to be able to have that discernment except by a gift of God's Spirit. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Now there are three purposes For the gift of discerning of spirits and I want to talk to you about those first of all protection from deception Um, John 8 verse 44 says that Satan the devil is the father of lies that means he's really 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 good at fibbing he's really good at deception really he's the master of lies and he wants to, in every way that he can, deceive us from the truth. And uh, like I said, he's, he's pretty good at it. That's why the Bible calls him the father of lies. So God grants us by his spirit, the Holy Spirit, a gift of discerning of spirits that allows us to peer behind the curtain and see what's true rather than what's being presented as uh, in a deceiving way now one example of that just one example from the book of acts we talked about last week in acts chapter 5 how this guy named um ananias who was married to a woman named sapphira the two of them had a piece of property that they sold the proceeds of that sale they decided you know we're going to give a big chunk of this to the church thank god that's great good but we're going to hold on to part of the the uh proceeds part of the um, earnings of this sale for ourselves. Nothing wrong with that. But they decided together that we're going to act like, we're going to say that we're giving all of the proceeds to the church so that everybody will think we're so hot, you know, really great people pat us on the back. But the Lord gave to Peter, again, a word of, or a discerning of the spirit behind this, the spirit of deception. And when they came before Peter to present this gift, Peter says, why are you trying to deceive the Holy Spirit? And then he was able to, to um, deal with that situation because he had the information of what was going on behind the scenes. Now, in 1 John, 1 John chapter 4 through 5, you don't need to turn there, but I just want you to know the reference. There is a lot of stuff given to us about how to, to discern. Whether whether what we're dealing with, what we're being confronted with, is the uh, truth or error, whether it's godly or ungodly. Now, uh, this is helpful. Ultimately, we need a spiritual gift, the discerning of spirits, to really uh, solidify it all. But it's helpful if we pay attention to the information that's been given us in these two chapters of 1 John 4 and 5. Because if you pay attention to these, if you ask these questions, questions that I'm going to give you right now that come from that passage, it will help you to be be able to have more clues about what's going on behind the scenes. Number one, is Jesus worshipped as the Son of God who became flesh? In other words, when you're confronted with something that's going on, ask this question, is in the midst of this Jesus being worshipped as the, not a, not one of, the Son of God who came in the flesh, not just some sort of you know, mystical force or something like that, but he really lived among us, the Son of God. Ask yourself that question because deception, the enemy will always just try to spin that just a little bit. You don't want to start to go down that road. Is it embraced by the world? In other words, is the world around us just really whole hog for this thing? Or uh, what are the proven people of God feeling about this? That's a good question to ask yourself to help to discern what's going on. Is it rooted in the love of God? If it doesn't have the sound and the scent of the love of God in it, It's not from God, because God is love, the Bible says. That's not all he is, but he is love. Does it promote fear? Not from God. Does it value obedience to God's word? Does it inspire faith in Jesus as Savior? Does it lead toward holiness? These are questions to ask that will help you to be able to get some sense of what's going on behind the scenes, but ultimately we need a gift, this powerful gift of the Holy Spirit to help us to understand what's going on. A friend of mine years ago uh, who lived in Santa Cruz, how many have been to Santa Cruz? Okay, then you already know it's a weird place, right? <laughs> Lots of oddball things, spiritual things are going on there. And um, I lived there for a while, so I know. Anyway, my friend, he took his son downtown to a, there's a great ice cream place down there, and they got some ice cream. We're sitting on the curb just enjoying the ice cream. And his son says to him, I don't remember how old he was, but fairly young, he says, Dad, I don't feel good. His dad says, oh, is your stomach bothering you? And he says, no, it's not that. And the, the Lord gave my friend some really powerful Insight in that moment. Discernment. And he said to his son, he said, son, I want you to remember what this feels like. Because what you're feeling right now is not physical. Your spirit is responding to something that's going on behind the scenes. And I want you to remember what this feels like because it will protect you. It will keep you. When you are in certain situations when it starts to feel like this, get out of there. Pretty, pretty good advice from him. But a, a divine um, gift that my, my friend received, the discerning of spirits. And we need that. It will keep us from deception. Number two, in terms of why is this important, what are the purposes, is it removes spiritual obstacles. Turn to Acts chapter 13. You're already there, a few pages to the left of that. So let's get you there to Acts chapter 13 and verse 6. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus. This guy, Sergius Paulus, um, was a a, a regional governor set up by the Roman Empire. He was a high-ranking political uh, figure and uh, governmental figure. And he, he, it says... Um, was in somehow in relationship to this guy. Um, we are first introduced as Bar-Jesus, and we'll find he has another named Elymas. Let me continue where I left off. So uh, this guy, Bar-Jesus, was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, withstood Barnabas and Saul. He got in the way of Barnabas and Saul being able to uh, give the gospel to, um, to Sergius Paulus. And he sought to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Verse nine, then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him. He's peering behind the scenes. He's pulling back the curtain and looking at what's going on behind the surface, and he said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight way of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of God, the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. The discerning of spirits is what turned this thing around, this this situation where the gospel was being opposed. Let me ask you this. Have you ever experienced what you would consider to have been spiritual opposition. As you sought to move forward in your life in God or pursue things that the Lord has given you uh, or, or placed in your heart, you have found yourself opposed. It seems circumstantial. But that opposition, dear ones, more often than not, is rooted deeper than that. And the discerning of spirits, the gift of discerning of spirits helps us to see that and then respond appropriately. And that's what Paul does, and it turns the entire situation around. So protection from deception, removing spiritual obstacles, and the third of the purposes for the gift of discerning of spirits is effectiveness in freeing spiritual captives. I want you to turn now to Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. A few more pages to the right. Verse 16. Now it happened as we went into prayer, or went to prayer, that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune-telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Let me ask you, what's wrong with that sentence? It's not a trick question. Nothing. Nothing. She's speaking the truth. She's following around Paul and his uh, traveling companions as they're ministering in this city, and she declares... These men are servants of the Most High God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Verse 18, and this she did for many days, but Paul hmm, greatly annoyed. That word annoyed is not he was just mad or ticked off. It means he was disturbed or agitated in his soul. It was like my friend when he said to his son, when you feel this, pay attention. On the surface, everything is fine. This lady is saying things that are true, but Something isn't ringing true in my spirit, Paul says, or uh, 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 we are um, shown, and he turns to the spirit. I love this. He doesn't address the woman. He speaks to the spirit that has already been identified as a spirit of divination. He speaks to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. go on to find out that this woman's life was radically transformed because of what happened. Because Paul was sensitive to the discerning of spirits that the Holy Spirit was giving him in that moment. It It allowed him to be effective in helping free spiritual captives. When we read in verse 16... A certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination. We see that word possessed in a lot of us. We think about movies we've seen. You know, people whose eyes roll back in their head. Their head spins around on their neck, you know, all the way around. Yikes. Vomiting. You know, all this kind of weird stuff. That's not, the the word possessed here literally means in in the original language, the Greek language, held by. This woman was held by a spirit of divination. She was not free to be who God made her to be until, until the Lord gave Paul insight to what was going on behind the curtain in the real realm. And he addressed that spirit and she was set free. Dear ones, we all move among people, including ourselves to varying degrees every day of our lives where people are held by. Held back from the life God intended for them to experience by things that are unseen. Personages that are unseen. Now, the Bible uh, identifies some of these spirits by name. We've, We've already encountered that this morning. The spirit of divination, spirit of fear, spirit of Uh, infirmity. These are just some that the Bible describes by name. Now, look, don't get me wrong, it's not like demons have little jumpsuits with a name badge on them, you know, that identifies who they are. But it is a way that the Lord helps us to be able to kind of get some sense of what's going on. And I remember, you know, well, I don't, I mean, I clearly remember, but I remember because it was such a profound part of my life for so long, from, from as far back as I can As my mind will take me in terms of my life's memories to when I was just a very small child all the way through to my mid-twenties, I was terrified of the dark. Terrified. Now look, I have a pretty high IQ. I'm a smart guy. I know there are no boogeymen in the closet. I know that when the lights go off, you know, a guy with a mask and a chainsaw isn't going to suddenly appear. I know this stuff but I was still held by a spirit of fear. No matter how I tried to change my thinking, it didn't change that fact. And by the way, I figured out all kinds of ways to to ensure that I was never in a dark place. You know, you just, if you've got, if you're, you know, if you know what I'm talking about, you know how you figure this out. You just have routines where you never are in a dark room. There's, you turn this light on, and then that one off, and, then, and you just make your way through your house in a way that just, you're never there, right? I, I, I had this worked out. It didn't solve the problem, though. And I remember when, by this point, I had two kids. My oldest daughter, she was about four, probably. And I remember in the night, she screams, she screams out, out of fear I get out of bed and I do my routine this light this light this light and I get to her room and I try to comfort her and I you know I talked her through you know there's nothing to be afraid of honey mom and dad are in the next room and here look I open the, the closet door look there's nothing in there and you know all the things that you do and but I saw the terror in her face and that scream echoed in my mind and I thought for a moment I don't want her to have the life I have. I don't want her to be held by a spirit of fear. And it just started to dawn on me, like in that video clip we saw, there's something else going on here. Something deeper that needs to be addressed. And the Lord, I believe, gave me discerning of spirits in that moment, and I saw it. I could understand for the first time that I was not, I was dealing with a personage, a spiritual personage. And I began to address that spirit in Jesus' name. Dear God, it changed everything. I started, today, dear ones, I, you could, I can be here at midnight with the whole place to myself and the lights completely off and be in the dark and perfectly at peace. Because I'm no longer held by a spirit. My, you know this story, my wife, um, six years ago, over six years ago now, had emergency surgery to remove a football-sized tumor from her abdomen. It was a cancer that was um, very rare, incurable. You're dead within seven months when they discover it. Um, Thank God the surgery went miraculously well. Two years of scans, no problems. We're rejoicing in God. She's beat every odd, you know. Then, two years later, uh, lesions show, show up in the CT scan. Heartbreaking, all that kind of stuff. Surgery's performed. Uh, they, they, you know, get everything that they can think of. Two more years of scans, free of cancer. Hallelujah. Whew. Thank God. And then, it's back. I saw the CT scan, I could, you see, they, they show you what to look for, you see the, the lesions there, and um, they had told, her oncologist said, many of you have heard this story, please forgive me for telling it again, but it's important for this moment, um, the oncologist told her, look, you, you, we're going to prepare you now for the end, we're going to get you set up with hospice and you know, you're, you're winding down. There's no sense in performing any additional surgeries, or we're just gonna help you to be able to cope with this till, till it takes your life. And, uh, you know, she was in good health, and so we thought, well, it might be worth it to see if we could get, uh, convince a surgeon to do another surgery, debulk the cancer so that she could at least live a little bit longer. And so we did we found a surgeon who was willing to do that. He ordered a second set of scans, a different type, a PET scan because he wanted to have the additional information for when he uh, you know performed the surgery. We already had the CT scan as I said so they took the PET scan and I remember sitting in the oncologist's office when they they showed us the PET scan, and what that does, is, if you've never seen it, it you, you, you drink this stuff, and it causes these fast-growing cancer cells to light up on the screen. I mean, it looks like a flashlight. It's bright. And so I stared at that image of that bright cancer in my wife's abdomen. And again, it was one of those moments of spiritual something. God gave me a discernment that this was more than just disease. Don't get me wrong. Look, not every disease is demonic, okay? We live in a fallen world. There's lots of crud that we're all dealing with as a result of that. But in that moment, because the Bible does talk about a spirit of infirmity. In that moment, staring at that screen and looking at that bright spot, I knew I was to address a spirit Whatever else the surgeons and oncologists, whatever they want to do, hallelujah, but I'm going to address a spirit of infirmity. From that day forward until that surgery was performed, I would get on my knees and bind the spirit of infirmity. Most of you know that when they perform that, perform that surgery, and it's big, I mean, they cut her literally in half, and they're taking tissue from here and there and everywhere, sending it off to, to be... Um, Uh, analyzed by the lab. The lab keeps sending back the report, no cancer, no cancer. There's nothing there. They found nothing. I believe that there's power available to us to see into the realm of the Spirit that we need to take more advantage of. We need to be more available to the Holy Spirit giving us discernment. Discernment. The discerning of spirits. This is recording number 11200 from the Teaching Ministry of Crossroads Four Square Church in Fairfield, California. It was recorded on Sunday morning February 21, 2016. This is the seventh message in a series titled, Empower the Spirit-Filled Life. This message by Randy Bolt is titled, The Power to Understand, Part 2.